Well, hello, Crossroads. Good morning. I am truly honored to be here again this morning. Guys, I was so thankful when I pulled in and I saw those American flags. My dad was old enough, honestly, that he served in World War II, and he was actually injured uh, from a hand grenade in Europe and laid in, paralyzed in a hospital bed in England for six months, and by God's grace, recovered. But uh, so thankful for that, so proud of our men and women that serve and all that they do. Thank you, God, for those people. Uh, amen, amen. And also, guys, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Praise God, amen. And it's crazy. I, the last time I was here, I don't remember, it had been the night before at a camp or something. Y'all had baptized 28 young people, and then I come back and you baptize 55 people. Y'all are just on it. I mean, keep doing it. Whatever you're doing, by God's grace, just keep doing it. Just keep reaching out. Just keep leading people to Jesus. It's why we're here. We're here to love one another, for God to pour into us so that we can just be like, I pray every day, God, help me to be just a funnel. And I mean, pour it all into me. Got all of it. I want the finances. I want the joy. I want the peace. I want it all. But I want it to just flow through me onto everybody else. Guys, if this morning, if you're the, uh, the note takers, uh, you know, one, two, three, I might frustrate you a little bit. Uh, there's sometimes in my life, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but there are times in my life where God will wake me up, and it seems like the waking hour is 3 o'clock. I don't know if that's true for anybody else, but it's about 3 a.m. God will wake me up, and he will begin pouring this thought into me, and he will not let it go. And he has begun to pour this this thought into me this morning that I want to share with you, something that God has just burdened my heart with. Let me pray. Father, we, God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these amazing people. God, there is a presence of the Holy Spirit here. Uh, you love these people, and your heart's desire, God, is to shower them because you're a good, good father. You're a great dad. You just want to give. You want to love. You want to see your children filled with peace and joy. God, you want to, <clears throat> you want to meet needs where they arise. You just want to love and be that great dad, and you are. Oh, Father, I pray send the Holy Spirit to speak, to empower this morning, for we ask it in Christ's precious name. God, it's not what I have to say, but what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, over the past weeks, I've really found myself kind of consumed with this thought. I'm consumed with the connection between people and God and God's word. I've become very concerned that, that those who love God can seem to also be so distant from God. Is, is, is if there, there's so many who are so close, so close to all that God has for them, but yet somehow seem somewhat some disconnected. Because salvation, and I want, I want you to hear me, please say, hear me say this, salvation is so much more than going to heaven when we die. Salvation is not just some wonderful room or some wonderful mansion or some eternity that is at the end of my life because I'm not there yet. Salvation is every day. The gospel is every day. The joy that God wants to give you, the journey that he wants to take you on, it's every day. And, and, it, and I'm so burdened that so many seems to be, seem to be losing it. There's a place of joy in the midst of life. There's interjection of God's blessing. Things will happen in your life, materialize, go your way, simply because God has interjected that blessing into your life. I, I believe that with all my heart and soul. But it seems that so many stay just disconnected from him enough to miss out on all that he has for us. You see, to be connected to God is to be consumed with God 
To, to be connected to God is to be absolutely consumed with doing life his way. I think that by now most of you realize that I work with at-risk young men and women in Southern California. Many, not all, not all, but many of the people I spend my time with are dealing with things like alcohol or drug addiction and staggering immorality. And all that comes with that world, from broken homes to jail to probation to house arrest to homelessness to depression... Often on a Monday night, you know, we, we'll have 30, 40, even 50 people at our house for dinner every Monday night. And often people will start filtering out. It'll be about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I'll have taken some folks home. Uh, my kids or my wife have taken some folks home. And then I'll come back and there'll still be one or two kids lingering. And I'll walk up to them and I'll say, you're homeless, aren't you? You don't have a place to go. No, I really, and we, we kind of have to start dealing with that. All that comes with that very disconnected lifestyle. All of that comes with, with kind of doing life my own way, with knowing God but not being plugged into God. And I, I want to apologize if, if, if the Lord has laid this on my heart, but I want to apologize if you're left feeling like this message was meant for the more needy. Uh, maybe, perhaps, but we can all glean from perhaps what God has laid on my heart. I want it to be a message of integrity, a message of connection. See, I, I, I often feel like I'm steeped in a world that is filled with lies and deceit. You hear people say things all the time like, dude, I promise this time I'm not lying. I, I, I'm telling the truth. We shouldn't have to say that. It should be when my mouth is open, truth is pouring out. You, you don't even have to check on what I'm saying. And yet we all lie to one another so much. And yet the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, so stop telling lies. Let us all tell our neighbor the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. Proverbs 12, says, lying lips are an abomination of the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. But that's, that's not the world we live in, is it? There's, there's, a, there's a spirit of, of rebellion and stubbornness that permeates our world, not just with young people, although a young person is not going to respect you just because you're a pastor or a teacher, or a police officer. I mean, all, all of that is gone. And, and adults alike, too, there's such, such disrespect for authority. If something doesn't go my way, then I'm going to run out on the street with a sign and just claim everything. And, and, and that's not what the Bible says. There have been many times when elections and things didn't go my way, when I've just sat back and said, okay, Lord, this is the world I live in. How do I minister in this world? Paul said in Romans 13, everyone must submit to government authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. How about sexual immorality? It seems it's the norm. In fact, telling even a young man or woman to wait for marriage, wait till se- uh, marriage to have sex, t- that's ridiculous to them. Recently, I picked up a 15-year-old boy. I got an early morning text. Hey, Rick, will you pick me up, take me to church? Absolutely. Problem is, I picked him up in front of his 14-year-old girlfriend's house at 7.30 in the morning. He got in the car, and I said, you spent the night here, didn't you? He said, yeah, but nothing happened. I said, son, I was born at night, but not last night. (laughs) Guys, that's just not okay. God's word says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? 
This, this, this next line, you do not belong to yourself, is, is gone with, with, with so many people. To say, you, you don't belong to yourself. You're not the ruler of your life. Man, try telling somebody that. But the Word of God says, you don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, the blood of his own son. I was bought and paid for. You know what I want to be to Jesus Christ? I want to be a slave. But you know what he said? No, man. You're my son. The father said, you're my son, so you must honor God with your body. All that's God's word, but for many, that's just not their life. There is this intense disconnect between people and God's word. And that, and that disconnection is the root of so much depression and feelings of worthlessness. And it's, uh, We seem to live just outside of all that God has for us. We're just not going to do life his way. That whole bought with a price, that's fun to read, but that's not my life. And I I want to begin, I want to clearly say that I am not, listen please, I am not talking about condemnation. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are as holy and as righteous as you ever be. You are set apart. You are a saint. Paul said, Romans 8, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Gosh, let's get eight of us in a room and interpret no condemnation. Let's spend a long time. I wonder what it means by no. Oh, it probably means no. I wonder what it means by condemnation. It probably means condemnation. Well, we don't even have to go to the room. There's no condemnation. There's no other way to interpret no condemnation. If you've got to spend eight hours on that, you have issues. I'm going to look up condemnation. You know what condemnation means. There's none. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of the sin that leads to death. Paul said that if you belong to Christ, there's no condemnation left. I'm free from the power of sin. I love that. There's no wrath left for the believer. It was poured out on the cross. And that is exactly what ought to burden my heart to live in obedience to God. That ought to make me want to connect with God and never let go of God. His love for me is what creates my heart's desire to love him back. I do not serve God to be saved. I serve God because I am saved. I am motivated completely by love. And, 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 and the closer I connect, though, see, salvation is at the end of all that, but the closer I connect right here and now, the more I grab a hold of those truths, the more I take whatever is separating me from God, what, whatever that thing is, whether it be a relationship, whether it be, a, whether it be wanting to click on that, that computer and look at just one more picture, or, or, or whether it be a drug, or whatever it needs to be, God is saying, dude, don't let that, set, put that down. I mean, it connects to me because there are storehouses I just want to pour out on you. A connected life allows God to interject blessings into your life that wouldn't otherwise be there. So I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm literally talking about knowing God and being in sync with him and his word. I am so tired, guys, and I mean it wholeheartedly. I'm so tired and so sad, so much angst of seeing people live in a state of confusion. It causes unnecessary pain and depression. I'm not angry at anyone. I'm not angry at me. I'm not angry at my kids. I'm not angry at anyone. I'm saddened by watching people live in this state of confusion that causes unnecessary pain and depression. I see people that God wants to bless. I see people that God wants to pour out on. They know him, but they seem to want to live lives outside of him. I I did this last service, and and nobody got mad at me, so I'm going to do it again. And and, and don't be mad at me, because this is just carpet. I promise it'll dry, so elders, staff, relax. But listen, (laughs) listen, God wants to do this, man. He just wants to go, oh, dude, oh, he just wants to pour it out on you. 
peace, joy, love, the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to do all that, but we hold on to the garbage, man. We put the lid on tight and we say, well, God, you know I love you a whole lot, but I'm not giving that up. I prefer a life that's disconnected. I, I, I've asked some addicts recently, I said, dude, what's going through your mind? You take that heroin, you know it's destroying your life. And they say, yeah, but you know what? When I do that, when I take that drug, when I look at that picture, when I'm with that person, for a moment, for a moment, there's happiness. So what people are doing is trading moments of, of a very fleeting, very temporal happiness for a lifetime of joy. You know, sometimes putting something down that you really love but destroying your life is, is miserable for a while, isn't it? I mean, sometimes putting that drug down or that person down, dude, it might be six months of, of, of pain and of being on your knees and of crying and brokenness, but at the end of that six months, it's as if you walked out into the sunshine, man. It, the depression lifts. You begin to understand, all right, Lord, I've put that down. I've overcome the grief. I understand that there's grief in putting things down sometimes, but I'm telling you, walk through the pain. And get to Jesus. So many of us hold on like we hold on to misery like it's my best friend. My burden is that you and I be delivered from that disconnection. Reconnection may be as simple as realizing and saying, hey God, somewhere along the way I, I started doing life without you, but I, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm all in, God. You tell me how to live. To be connected to God is to be consumed with God. And that connection will bring you great joy and peace. That's when God just starts, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to do it again, but that's when God just starts, oh man, I got so much. Listen, I'm not a better father than my heavenly father. The Bible says I'm not a better father, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I, am, a, I am a good dad. I love my children. I adore my children. I, how do I, you know you're a good dad? Well, my son is 20 and my daughter's 23. My daughter will probably call me three times a day. Dad, what you doing? On my way to work, just thought I'd chat. How's life going? Oh, Dad, quit worrying about that. Oh, Dad, that's awesome. My son will call me. Dad, how's it going? They love me and I love them. And you know what? I, 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 man, I do, I, do the, I, I do this all the time. I just do it. I, I can't do enough for them. And that's how God feels about us. And he wants to do it so much. But if my son steals the car, I can't give him the keys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want to bless him so much, but there are times in my life where I have to step back and go, dude, I can't bless that behavior. Do I still love you and adore you? Am I still your biggest fan? I am. Man, my son would skateboard, scooter, the whole thing when he was younger, and I would say, Josh, you are the greatest skateboarder in the world. And he would say, Dad, you're crazy. There are a million skateboarders that are better than me. And I'd say, not to me. You're my favorite skateboarder in the world. That's how God feels about you. And he just wants to do this, so let him. But there's this misunderstanding. We have this ability to be partially, or we think we have the ability to be partially in and partially out of God's will, and yet fully believe that's okay. But according to God's word, it's not. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about connection. To be connected to God is to be consumed with God. Let's let the, the word of God illustrate what I'm talking about. Back in the book of 1 Samuel, the Israelites are saying, God, we want a king, we want a king. And God's like, no, I'm your king, I'm your heavenly king. No, we want an earthly king. God says, all right, all right, let's get you an earthly king. That's what you want. Be careful, because God will answer your prayers. Don't pray for a pit bull unless you know how to handle a pit bull. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 
There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bekorah, son of Aphiah, the tribe of Benjamin. His son, Saul, was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. He's rich, he's tall, he's handsome. The people's clear choice reminds me of Patrick, doesn't it? That should have got a bigger laugh. You know, and the people, the people choose this guy. But you know what? You know what's more important? God chooses this guy. First Samuel 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil, poured it over Saul's head, kissed Saul, and said, I'm doing this. I, I, I love this. I love this. Because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. I, dude, I am anointing you because God told me to anoint you. God has made you ruler. God has lifted you up. If you lift God up, he'll lift you up. God has given you glory. God has given you honor. God has given you prestige. God has given you respect. God has given you power. So much that comes with being a king. I'm reminded of my own salvation, man. God loves me and he loves you. He loved me enough to make his, me his son. He sent his son to redeem us, to buy us back. He chose me. He chose you. The Bible says that. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God. But he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Just as God chose Saul to be king, he has chosen all of us who have called upon his name to be his children. And by the way, children who inherit it all, we have an amazing retirement plan. I can't wait to get there. You just did a series on heaven. You know what I'm talking about. That alone ought to keep us connected to our Father. He loved us first. There's no condemnation because Christ took it all. And then he opened up the door for me to be his son and he chose me. His heart's desire is to give us a future in a life worth living. But we, we hold on. We hold on to that one thing that separates us from God. and we, I'm not going to let it go, God, because it brings me happiness. Well, put it down. But God, that'll make me miserable. Then go through the misery and get to the joy. You realize that we have a purpose, that you have a purpose, that God said you were created for greater things. Have you become what you're supposed to become? Are you who you're supposed to be? I visited, recently visited a 57-year-old lady in the hospital. She knows Jesus, but her spouse died about five or six years ago, and she began drinking heavily. My wife and I actually, a few years back, rescued her from a hotel. I knocked on the door. I said, I looked at my wife, and I said, I think she's dead. We went in there, and we rescued her. We took her in. We helped her out, got her back on her feet. She's been doing great. Well, recently, we didn't know that she started drinking again. Well, we couldn't see her for a couple weeks, and we got really worried. Found out she was in the hospital because her liver's shutting down. She's literally drinking herself to death. And I looked at her, and I said, don't you realize that God has a purpose for your life? Do you not realize that God has a plan for you? It's not over unless you want it to be over. See, here, here's why I see a lot of things happen to people. I see people get arrested all the time, arrested in time. Something happens, there's an abuse, there's a death, there's a trauma, there's a divorce. And what happens is wherever they are, they freeze in that emotionally and they never grow past that. And God can't bless them because they hold on to the pain 
that's their addiction. You don't understand. You don't realize what happened to me. I can't get over this. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that that is separating you from who you can be in God, and you need to get over it. Rick, you don't understand how painful it is. I don't understand that, but I understand a loving God who wants to press on in your life, that there are people around you that still need you, that there are people who will go to Jesus if you will simply lead them to Jesus, but you've got to get over you long enough to get on to them. Don't, whatever is separating you from the love of God, put it down. Many of us are so much more than what we have become. Again, if you're sitting out there going, goodness gracious, where is this coming from? I, I, I apologize. Maybe it's meant for a rougher crowd. But we have a purpose that we should be filling, fulfilling. God has something for us. Well, at first, Saul's this huge success, a seemingly godly man. Godly man. He defeats the enemy of Israel in battle. He sets, up, he sets up altars in the name of God, and God gives, God gives him glory. God's with him. God wanted him to be king. He made him king. But, but as his reign and his power begin to take, grow and take form, Saul's character begins to change or maybe show forth. It becomes obvious that Saul's okay with shortcuts and partial obedience. He literally begins to disconnect from God. See, although God had chosen him, he didn't always choose God. When we are in that confusion uh, that I can have all that God has for me, even if I don't give him all that I have for him. There's so much more with God than heaven when I die. And I want to open up doors. I want to put down anything that stops him from doing this, man. Just, just, I don't want to get in trouble. I'll pour on this side. Just pouring out. He just wants to just, man, he just wants to soak you. He really does. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that word can be joy. I've come that you might have joy and have it more abundantly. He, he said in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Paul said in Ephesians, or rather in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There is a God that just wants to just bless you. That's what he wanted to do with Saul. Well, once Israel was preparing for battle against the Philistines and waiting on Samuel. Samuel was God's prophet, God's main man. Saul, you take care of the battles. Samuel will take care of the spiritual aspect. They're waiting on Samuel to get there to offer a sacrifice because that's how God said to do it. 1 Samuel 13. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't, show, didn't come, still didn't come. He wasn't there yet. Saul realized that the troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Disconnected people do life their way and expect God to be okay with it, and he's not. If doing life God's way is inconvenient or costly, men are slipping away, he's not going to have as many for the battle, then I'm going to do it my way. But partial obedience is total disobedience. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about connection. I'm not condemned. But I can surely stop the flow from heaven. We're often so close to God's blessing, but just miss it. To be connected to God is to be consumed with God. And reconnection may be as simple as realizing and saying, God, somewhere along the way I started doing life without you. I don't want to do that anymore. Let go of whatever holds you back from God. Connected people do 
life God's way. Because they understand that no man or woman knows more than God. And I'm going to make a statement that will blow this generation away. Please hear me say this. Because when I say this to my, my gang of kids, kids who love me with all their heart and soul, when I say this, they literally will step back and go, what are you talking about? I'm going to say the craziest thing in the world. No one has the right to do life their way. I, I tell a kid that, and, they, and man, they want to stone me. Well, I, I can do anything I want. If I want to use the women's restroom, I can use the women's restroom. If something I don't like is, you know, I, I run to the street with a sign. I don't have to do anything anybody tells me. How much evil is done in the name of choice in our world today? I choose to do drugs. I choose to walk out on my spouse. I choose to kill that baby. I choose to do whatever I want. The problem is choice often leads to the right to be utterly depressed and void of peace. Those seeking freedom often become slaves to addiction. I see the consequences of that every day. And I'm telling you, I feel like the Holy Spirit, man, because I'm yelling, don't do that, don't do that. This is where that road will lead you. And I'll tell them step by step, you know what you're going to do next? No, I'm not going to do that. And then they do that. I say, you know what's going to happen next? No, I'm not going to. Ha- and I'm, I'm watching people run toward destruction in the name of their right. The only right I have is to get on my knees and say, Father, I worship and praise you and thank you. What do you want me to do today? And Lord, I'm going to get up to you. Tell me. And God says, oh man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be peace and joy. I'm telling you, you tell God I'll go anywhere, anytime, and life becomes an adventure worth living because you have a purpose. The, the, the question is, are you on it? Are you what you're supposed to be? Well, Samuel shows up on the scene shortly after Saul's sacrifice, and his response is immediate. 1 Samuel 13, 13. How foolish. You have not kept the commandment the Lord you gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Isn't that amazing? If you had done what God had wanted you to do, guess what? You'd still get to be king. And with king comes honor and glory and respect and dignity and power and money and all that stuff that God gave you. You don't get it anymore. Because you did life my way. You are not Frank Sinatra. Y'all don't want me to sing. I did it my way. Stop doing it your way. Your way stinks. Man, if it isn't producing a peace and a joy that passes understanding, then, then maybe we need to wake up. He said, but now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. I'm not doing it my way, God. I'm doing it yours. Oh, we run away from peace and joy, thinking we're going to find peace and joy, and all we find is misery, depression, and addiction. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of the people because you have not kept the Lord's command. That seems drastic. He did offer a sacrifice. He did, as if to say, hey, God bless what I'm doing, but I'm not going to do it your way. Saul is is subtly disconnecting from God, but disconnection is disconnection. Partial obedience is disobedience. But you know God. God is so cool. You know what God lets him do? Be king. 
He doesn't take the throne immediately. It, God is just, that's God's character. He's so forgiving. He's so loving. He doesn't take it. He, it's as if he gives him another chance, a chance for Paul to go, God, I'm so sorry. What if, what, or Saul, rather, what if Saul dropped on his knees and said, God, somewhere along the way, I, I lost him, but God, I'm so sorry. I repent. I want to turn back to you. God would have just poured out on him. He'd already made him king. But disconnected people have a way of holding on to things that cost them so much. Let, let go. Salvation is more than heaven when you die. God's seeking for man after his, his own heart. Look at how Saul dealt with his second chance. First Samuel 15, one day Samuel said to Saul, this is after all the other stuff, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king uh, over his people Israel. Now listen to the message from the Lord. Do you, you get what he's doing? Look, Saul, please, Saul, please, Saul, please listen. God's the one who made you king, so please listen. Listen to what God is telling you. Verse 2, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle the account with the nations of uh, Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. If it's breathing, it needs to not be breathing when you leave. Now I don't have time to get into how could God do that. Suffice it to say that the Amalekites were an abomination. They not only had no fear of God, but they opposed those who did. They were heating up statues and putting their firstborn children into the hands. And God is like, this abomination has to stop before thousands more die. And I need you to go wipe it out. Clear-cut direction. Verse 7, then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agog, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Partial obedience. Saul and his men captured Agag, or spared Agag's life, and kept the best of the sheep and the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lamb. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them, they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Saul had not completely followed God's direction. Saul gave up the kingdom for a steak. That cow looks good. I, I am hungry. That cow will feed me. God told me to kill it. You know what? I'll trade, and I don't think he thought of it this way, but this is what he did. I'll trade the kingdom of God for a stake. I'll give up glory and prestige and power for garbage. Disconnected people don't see their sin. 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at God's reaction. Verse 10, then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my commandment. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Saul, Saul forgot something very important. He forgot the main rule that God is God and I am not. God chose Saul, but Saul did not always choose God. About when my daughter was probably about, gosh, however you are, old you are when you're in fourth grade. I was going to take her and my daughter, my daughter, my son, and my wife down to Disney World, and we were going to leave Thursday, and, and I think they had that Monday off, so we are going to spend four or five days down in, in, in Disney World. But, man, I love Disney World. I love Disney World. And this is even before they had Starbucks, so it wasn't nearly as cool. But I love Disney World. And, and so I said to my daughter, I said, I thought she was going to be excited. I said, you know what, sweetie, daddy's not going to wait till Thursday. We're going to go to Disney World tomorrow on Wednesday. We're going to leave. You know, my daughter said, no, daddy, we, we can't go on Wednesday. Can't go on Wednesday. I said, why? She said, because tomorrow I'm line leader at school. And I'm like, let me get this straight. I'm going to give up time with the mouse so you can be line leader at school. 
But I listened to her. Yes, she is dead. You don't, you don't understand. She goes, you only get to be line leader like, like, like every couple of months. And, and, and by the way, I let her stay and be line leader. She said, but daddy, I want to be line leader. And I said, well, tell me about line leader. She said, dad, line leader is so cool because, because you lead. Nobody can go in front of you. And you walk at your pace, and you walk everybody down to the lunchroom. And when it's bathroom time, you walk everybody down to the bathroom. And then, and then you oversee when they're cleaning the tables. And they walk back, and nobody's allowed to get ahead of you. And if people are talking, you're allowed to tell them, be quiet. I said, man, that is awesome. She said, yeah, but you know what happens sometimes, Daddy? And I said, no. She said, sometimes the line leaders get in trouble because they talk, and they act stupid, and they get in a lot of trouble. And I said, what happens? What happens when the line leader gets out of line? And she said, oh, Daddy, you know what? The teacher walks up and taps him on the shoulder and says, you don't get to be line leader anymore. She said, I don't want that to happen to me, Daddy. You know what, you know what God said to Saul? You don't get to be king anymore. I lifted you up. I chose you. I made you my son. I gave you all the respect, all the honor, all the glory. People were singing, literally singing your songs. I did that for you. Nah. I'd rather hold on to garbage. I'd rather hold on to a quick fix or a buzz or a, or a thrill than all that you have for me. God, I'm telling you guys, we, God just wants to just pour out on us. Don't allow the world to disconnect you. Become consumed with God. If there's something that's come between you and God, put it down. Even if, even if you're like, oh, but Rick, it'll kill me. It'll kill me. It won't kill you for long. Let it kill you for two, three, six months. And sometimes that's what it takes to get over an addiction or something. You've got to put it down. You've got to destroy that relationship. You've got to destroy the thing. And, and then you've got to go through that pain. Because on the other side of that pain is a glory and a joy and a peace that passes understanding. I'll end with this verse. I've gone too long. Here's what God wants for you. Here's, here's what the connection gets you. Here's what the connected get and the disconnect will never ever get. Galatians chapter 5, but the Holy Spirit, this is only for the connected. Only for the connected. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. That's what comes out when God pours. Love, joy, peace, patience. He will lift you up, but we are giving away our reputation. We are giving up our credibility. We are giving up our relationships with our wives, with our children, with the people around us for garbage. Do not disconnect from God. Nothing is worth it. Whatever it takes, you dropping on your knees, going to a counselor, confessing, whatever it takes, I, I, I beg you to just say, God, some, if, you ha if you need to, somewhere along the way, I disconnect it. And I know what it is, God. I know what it is that keeps you from fully being able to bless me. And God, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore because it's not worth it. I don't care what misery, what upfront pain it takes. I want all of this stuff that's only for the connection. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. God, I want to be line leader. I do. I want to be a line leader. I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to love life. I want to laugh with friends. I want to be lifted up by you. I want the respect of other people. I do, God. I want integrity. I do, God. I want to lift you up and watch you lift me up. I do, God. Please, God, don't let anything disconnect me from you. 
And I pray that for these precious people, every man, woman, child in this room, God, that you would connect them, that they would say, Lord, yes, I'm in. I'm all the way in. Plug me in, God. Let's do it your way, God. Because my heart's desire is that they experience, oh, I just want you to pour out on them to the point where they feel like they're going to drown in it. Father, bless these people in this church and thank you so much for them in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening.